Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, September 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Saudi Arabia is bullying wealthy families into buying into Saudi Aramco's IPO. The Federal Reserve intervened in the U.S. money market for the third straight day on Thursday. Sterling climbed yesterday after the European Commission president instilled some hope for a Brexit deal. And companies are bracing for employee walkouts in anticipation of today's global climate protest. Plus, the FT's Anna Nicolaou dives into the history and unclear future of Netflix. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Saudi Arabia is looking to achieve a $2 trillion valuation for Saudi Aramco's initial public offering, and the kingdom seems prepared to pull out all the stops to get it. Several sources told the FT that the aim was to strong-arm and bully some of the wealthiest families in the kingdom so that they would become cornerstone investors in the IPO. It's all part of a plan to build confidence in the Saudi Aramco deal. Many of the family's targeted members were at one point imprisoned in Riyadh's Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Sources said some of the detainees said they were tortured and later freed after they reached financial settlements with the state. The Saudi Aramco initial public offering has been billed as the world's biggest ever IPO. But things have looked shakier after last weekend's attacks on Saudi Arabia's oil infrastructure. The Federal Reserve intervened in the U.S. money markets for a third straight day on Thursday, and the central bank said it would do it again today. The New York Fed injected $75 billion into overnight cash into the short-term lending market yesterday, and its auction was oversubscribed for the second straight day as banks demanded almost $84 billion. In a statement, it said it would repeat the operation today. The imbalance appears to have been caused by a combination of companies needing cash to pay taxes this week, plus the drain from Treasury coupons that happened to be due this week. The squeeze was then made worse by the unexpected jump in oil prices after the strike on Saudi oil production. Sterling was up yesterday after the European Commission president offered some optimism on Brexit. On Thursday, Jean-Claude Juncker said he was ready to scrap the controversial Irish backstop if UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson could come up with a different plan. Allowing us and Britain to achieve the main objectives of the backstop. I I don't have an erotic relation to the backship, uh, to the backstop. But if the results are there, I don't care about the instrument. With the news, Sterling climbed back over the $1.25 mark, gaining 0.7% yesterday afternoon in New York trading. Mr. Juncker went on to say that Brexit will happen, but he did not like the ideal of a no-deal scenario, predicting that it could have, quote, catastrophic consequences for at least one year. And employees are hoping their companies will show their colors, or at least go green for the day. As thousands of workers in cities around the world gear up for a walkout as part of today's global climate strike, some companies are trying to burnish their green credentials. Amazon chief executive Jeff Bezos announced new climate targets yesterday, promising zero net emissions by 2040. Amazon is also facing a potential protest outside its Seattle headquarters today. And last night, Google claimed it had made the biggest corporate purchase of renewable energy in history. Just how many employees are planning to walk out of work today is not clear. 
However, the global protest is expected to draw millions of people, and it comes ahead of next week's UN Climate Change Summit. And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. This is shaping up to be the year of the streaming wars. Apple and Disney are set to launch new services this fall, joining Amazon and Hulu, among others. But before some of these relative newcomers, there was... Netflix. The home of House of Cards and Orange is the New Black is largely credited with changing the industry, and, as a result, the way we consume TV and movies. But the company also spends more than 70% of its revenues on content. That's part of what got FT Media correspondent Anna Nicolau to dig into how the company's actually doing. I've been kind of covering Netflix for a few years now as the media reporter in New York. I mean, this has been a story I've been wanting to tell for quite a while, but I had noticed from the beginning with Netflix, it was different from other media companies I covered and just the way that people talked about it and treated it, particularly stock analysts and those types would always kind of talk about Netflix as though it was this sort of invincible presence. I would say around spring of this year, I started speaking with our data team, who's really great on this stuff, just thinking about, can we kind of dig in further to their financial statements? It's pretty common knowledge that Netflix does have this mounting debt and a very different business model than traditional media companies. But I really want to just kind of dive further into what it actually all means when you put it together. And is Netflix worthy of all the praise that analysts do give it and have given it over the past three years? So, Anna, what did you learn? I mean, I learned a ton in reporting this piece just in speaking to a lot of people in Hollywood who've been working in banking in L.A. for decades and saying, you know, things really changed so much. And when Netflix came in with House of Cards, they were doing things differently than has really been done before. And just seeing how one company and its rise has changed the entire industry. There are a few main things that we wanted to point out that we found that were really interesting to us, which was that, one, I didn't really realize before reporting this piece that most of the the debt that Netflix has taken on has been in the past three years. If you look back even five years, there was hardly anything. So it's been a very, very quick ascent that they've had in terms of this push into original content to making all these shows and movies that we now have. The other bit was, again, the, just the way that they finance things differently from the rest of Hollywood in the sense that they, they stretch out their payments over several years coming up in the future, which is different from most other companies. Also interesting to find was looking at their global versus U.S. subscribers, but finding that the margins were so different than in the U.S. We even saw that, I mean, if you look at their DVD business, for example, which is obviously slowing to a, a trickle. Right. Um, <laughs> But the margins in that were so much higher than they're getting in terms of their international subscriptions. So, so Anna, even though Netflix has had a lot of success, they recently just lost 126,000 U.S. subscribers in the quarter that ended in June. How do you think things will turn out for Netflix? Well, one reason why I think people found that particularly troubling is that they lost the subscribers before the competition had even arrived. So this was the quarter ending in June. The new competition, which by competition I mean Apple, Disney, AT&T, and NBC Universal are coming up with their own streaming services. That's not happening until November. So there's the one piece of it where there's this competition that's about to pounce, and Netflix has just had 
arguably its weakest quarter it's really had, which I think was concerning for investors. Netflix executives themselves seemed to kind of be at a loss to explain why it happened. They listed a few factors. There was the fact that they had raised prices in the U.S. earlier this year. The other thing that Netflix said was that their content was leaking in that quarter, which is sort of more troubling as well because it kind of fuels this theory that Netflix is on a treadmill, which is what one of um, the people that we spoke to for this story kept saying, which is that they have to keep spending so they can keep adding this content so people will keep watching the service and keep subscribing. So if you're on that that sort of treadmill where you have to shell out billions of dollars just to keep up your content slate, that's a pretty tough thing to sustain. And one thing we pointed out in our story is that just after that quarter, Stranger Things came back with a new season. Right, right, right. That's, uh, that's typically been the thing that brings people in. In a way, it's kind of encouraging to see that there will be a direct effect from investing in content. But the other side of it is saying, well, if you get kind of stuck in this cycle where you have to keep adding new content, where does it end? When do you have enough to be a sustainable catalog when you're up against Disney, which has so many movies and shows and decades of investing in that type of thing, Netflix is still very much playing catch-up. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also got help this week from Michael Bruning and Gavin Coleman. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.